1: Have you with us on the show today?
0: So I was Maddie's today? Awesome day at Maddie's. Breaking bread with our Maddie, Matt Catrillo, and the suit. Doug with a masterful job again as our master of ceremonies.
1: Well, good. Yes.
0: Um, and uh, I'm sure the suit was greeted with open arms he was greeted with open arms. I didn't catch anything uh, didn't catch anything out of the ordinary, so. Good. Yeah. Good all around. Great all around.
1: Well, he's got both games this week, so. As the play-by-play guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of work. Yeah. Um. Now, Catrillo's there. In case uh, suddenly out of nowhere, um uh, the primary job gets in the way.
0: Heaven forbid.
1: God, I miss Ferlazzo. <laughs> I yeah, used to lock in on the job and get it done. Don't you remember those days? I do. It's like it was yesterday. I know. Yeah, a lot of ways it was. <laughs> but uh I was talking today with some friends. Um, we were talking, in fact, we were talking today about the playoffs. It was Trey Bowers, uh, Jay, it was uh, Todd Sadowski, and Todd, of course, in the York area, um, in the York area. You know, he's got a lot of. I said, how many? You know, what? How many playoffs do you have to cover? And he's like, oh yeah. He was explained how many he has to cover on Friday night this week. And essentially, we're both saying it's thoroughly and completely ridiculous, the playoff system, and it really is the the playoff system. The playoff system in this state is ridiculous. I don't know what has meaning anymore. There was a time two years ago, Mifflin County had won two games all season. And they made the District 6 playoff. And we're looking at you like, what? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if I'm coaching that thing, I turn that down in a heartbeat. I don't want that. I don't want it. I would turn it down just out of pure pride and integrity and pure pride and dignity, I would turn it down. My team didn't earn a playoff spot
0: didn't earn it. I think that's been the big discussion around here for the last several years regarding Eastern Conference with teams not being able to get into the districts but if they want to continue their postseason they can get an invitation into the Eastern Conference but chances are you're going to be dealing with a bunch of uh, sub-500 teams in there as well so it's just uh, not like the old days of the Eastern Conference and our great buddy the Chief Dave Ritchie bringing up the EC when he was uh, when he called in to join us yesterday.
1: All right. But I'm just saying to me if you're not 500 Okay? Show some dignity and some pride and say no. I mean, don't don't go.
0: I guess what possibly opened up the door for Milton to get into Eastern Conference, uh, I believe it was Montoursville uh turned down the invitation to uh, be in the Eastern Conference playoffs.
1: Right, but see I'm saying say you okay, you gotta get some control over this thing and you gotta have some people that look around and say, you know what? We won, I don't know, pick a number, two games this year. Now, are you a postseason team? Really? No. Playoffs in this state are too long. Take too much time, and it should only be teams. I and I mentioned to them. Hey, I said, "Hey, look. I said I'm lucky in my area. Uh, I said I'm lucky in, in in my area. I said when I'm on WKOK, I said they've got one that's." On Friday night, that is the kind of game that you really want at this time of the year. Both playing great. Rivals separated by a short distance. Sealands Grove, Shikalemi, And everybody in the room agreed with that. And Todd was telling about some of the matchups that they've got going on uh, down in his area. And he's explaining how there's just no intrigue. There's nothing, you know... We got to get away from the. Uh, the, the I don't want to. This is not a conservative versus a liberal thing. But I mean, honest to goodness, I mean, you got to get away from everybody deserves a trophy thing. You got to. You no, know, you win two, three games. You are not a postseason team. You are not a playoff team. You didn't earn it. Okay, so explain to your team. I turned it down. You didn't earn it. <laughs> I mean that's how I look at it. Now maybe I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, and, and fans have a completely different viewpoint, or parents have a different viewpoint than I do. It's just I think you've got to be able to earn your spot. I mean, that, I mean now you talk about okay college basketball tournaments under five hundred teams, but again that's a conference tournament. Yeah, okay, that's not the NCAA's. It's not the NIT. Those are not uh, with a chance to win a postseason championship, um, and everybody gets in. I got that. I mean, you've got people complaining about 500 teams, or sub For example, if you're a sub 500 team, you get invited to a bowl game because they have open spots. I'm not crazy about that either, but I also think your hands are tied. I mean, you've already got the game scheduled. Now, what do you do? Your hands are tied. This playoff thing's a different deal in high school. I just uh, like to me. You look at Shikellamy Sealings Grove. Now that's that is to me a potentially special game on Friday night, right? That's a potentially special game between two red hot teams down the stretch, playing their best football, having a rematch head to head. Turns out they're separated by only a few miles, so you already have the natural rivalry to begin with, and that to me, now that's playoff football. Like I said, I remember a couple of years ago that they needed another team in District 6. They'd won two games. You're like, what are you doing? I think there's got to be some point where you've got some coaches, athletic directors and so forth that start looking around saying, uh, no, we are not a playoff team, so we're not going to do that.
0: Central Mountain, who's now in the Heartland Conference and in the same same league with Shikalemi and Sewell's Grove. Uh, for a while they did have Mifflin County and before that Indian Valley on their schedule every single year. But then when the whole new classifications came out and then the merger happened and uh student population went up, then all of a sudden Central Mountain became a five A school. That was one Right. Yeah, then that's one that's one school then out out of the playoff uh out of the playoff bracket. So kinda if it turns it into an odd look, number out that look, way or not. Look,
1: they never should have gone to two extra classifications, okay? I mean, having six
0: is, I mean, I was fine with four, okay? I was fine with four. Well, it's like with Sport. I mean, William Sport's the only team in District 4 that's a 6A school. So they get lumped into, in their district play, then they get lumped into whoever else is in District 2. They do that right. combo district deal.
1: All right, and I just don't. I mean, again, I don't see it. They've gone to extra. I don't know why they went to extra. I just, I just,
0: I don't know. And for years and years, the team that comes out of District Four that heads into states will take on the team that's one, and they do a they do a District Five, Six, Nine final. That's going to be with Belfont and Johnstown. So they combined right. three districts to, just for the fact that it's so rural in that part of uh, central to western Pennsylvania. There's just not enough Quad A schools out that way.
1: Right. No, And I understand that. Me you know, too. And yeah. I, I understand that part. But they've got to be I mean, look, to be honest with you the weekend of December 2nd, 3rd to me should be the weekend that they finish this thing up. It takes too long. To do, I think you. I think the only people who could be in the playoffs are people that that actually won their way into the playoffs. That's just that's just me. Yeah, now, just the way I'm... the
0: schedule's laid out now. You're talking, you know, the district, uh, you know, the state playoffs head into the uh, second week of December, and a lot of those kids, not even 24, 48 hours after they play their final game, they go right into basketball and wrestling. It's just no rest for the weary, and one sport right into another. <sighs> you think you get that. Go into your plan and be a little more of a recovery period, at least.
1: Well, I just.
0: In preparation into a brand new season in a different sport.
1: Again, I think if you're 500 or better, then you can be a playoff team. Right. If you're under 500, show some integrity <laughs> and tell them, no, we're not a playoff team. We're not going. I don't care how disappointed everybody is. Okay? You should have won. I mean, to me, that's what it's reserved for. And, again, I think that I wanted to give the six classification thing a chance just to see. I don't like it. I don't like it. Should have stuck with four. Um, Then there's there's other parts of this, too, that I'm not completely comfortable with. I don't like how much they charge radio stations for it. I think that's wrong. I don't like how much they charge TV stations for it. I think that's wrong. Um... Last time I checked, high school coaches and assistant coaches aren't making any money, and the players certainly aren't either. So, what's the money for?
0: Yeah, Kevin and I were talking about the radio and TV rights fees down the hall. Was it late last week? Actually, it was Friday. It was last Friday night as he was uh, heading out. I was—I I'd, had—I I'd, I'd, did not know the cost of the uh, TV rights fees uh, to air a game. I was floored uh, as to I, how much that was.
1: What is—is is it a thousand a game? Uh. I think it's a
0: $1,000. i am trying to think, think right off the top, yeah.
1: I was talking to Kerry Strode today. They, in fact, they're thinking about not, they were going to televise the District 6 championship, and now they've decided not to do it. Well, is that what you want? Do you want the coverage of it, or do you want the money from it? Well, now they're going to end up with no TV coverage of it, and they're going to end up with no money either. Yeah, I think that worked out well, didn't it? I mean, seriously, I mean, they looked at each other and go, okay, um, what about doing this? Because in order for the TV people to do this, they need sponsorships. Well, if you're not getting the sponsorships for it, because they don't perceive, the sponsors don't perceive it to be a big enough event to do, now you've got a big problem. And that's what they were looking at, and they decided, okay, we're not going to do it. Because now if there's there's... if the rights fees cut in half, for example, or down to a proper level, which would, to me, be about $250. If you want to charge a radio station, 102 dollars for TV, fine. Um, Again, I would like to know, where does the money go? I mean, where? What, to stage championships? Let's, uh, let's, Let's take a look at the overhead. Let's see now. Uh coaches don't get paid really any money the students get none Uh, the concession people are all volunteers you do have to pay the officials I don't even know if the chain gang gets paid maybe a nominal fee 20 bucks, 30 40, 50 am I out of people? I mean, no offense, there's not a lot of overhead. There's not a lot of overhead, and I mean that's just, I mean that's my opinion. I just you know.
0: I can't think of the TV dollar figure right off the top of my head when Kevin and I were talking about it, but I was just surprised at the wide range between what the radio fee was and from t- to TV.
1: I think T and I I think I talked to John today. Now what they were asking for here now it may be different there.
0: All right, but plus the cost may be going up. The further along you go through the state playoffs, too, the number the the fees may go up. Right, it goes bit. up. Yeah,
1: right, it goes up. Yeah. Yep.
0: And you're like, okay. Which goes back to your original question, even more. So even more so. Right. Now, for a TV outlet,
1: it's a little different because PCN is the title games, right?
0: So at that Correct. level, yes. Right.
1: So at that level, that that's not an issue. Um, radio fees probably go up as the rounds go. All right. Which the last I checked was actually really good for actually them. <laughs> as opposed, you know, you know, you let everybody know what's happening. Uh, so I mean, that that those are things like that where I sit back, I have real serious questions about. And the, the part of it, too, is trying to fill spots. I mean, you're trying to fill spots, and you're filling spots with, you know. And of course, we talk the bowl season happens with the same thing. You've got sometimes one to three under 500 teams playing a bowl game because they have spots. I just If you win two, three, four games in a season, I'm sorry. You haven't done enough to be in the playoffs. I mean, you know, there was an old saying years ago on a completely different topic, just say no. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. on the show today as uh, we roll through and uh, tomorrow, by the way, on the Penn State Coaches Show it'll be not only James Franklin, but it's also going to be Patrick Chambers. So they'll both be on the show tomorrow. Thought we'd pass that one. By the way, Penn State did sign two players today. As a matter of fact, and uh, Miles Dredd being one of them that they were able to sign so a big plus for them and the other one is uh, Rashir Bolton Dread, I think a lot of people have heard about 6'4 guard out of uh, Burnsville, Maryland with the Gonzaga College High School in D.C. and uh, Brashear Bolton is another guy from Chesterfield, Virginia, rated the top point guard in Virginia, one of the top point guards of the East Coast. Just what they need. He'll be stepping into the program with Tony Carson Jr. So two guards signed today by Patrick Chambers. We'll talk about that on the show as well as the opening weekend.
0: Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And let's bring in Todd Zielecki from MLB.com. Todd, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Sorry about the circumstances.
2: No, how are you doing? Good to be on.
1: All right. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, first of all, he was only there four years. I think people right. think of Roy Halladay and they think that you know what in the sixteen years of the majors, half of the Blue Jays, half of the Phillies, and that's not true. Was seventy five percent with the Jays. It feels like he spent half his career with the Phillies. What kind of impact did he have in the organization?
2: Now uh, he had a tremendous impact um, in a lot of ways. You know, I, I think he's. Uh, first of all, his work ethic, he had a tremendous, tremendous work ethic. I mean, you really got to see up close and personal what it takes to be great. Um, you know, a lot has been written about that in the last 24 hours, but in a, none of it is, ex- is exaggerated. You know, he was there at 7 a.m., you know, uh, before a night game working out. He was there at 5.30 during spring training work days and, you know, working out. And, and he spent a lot of time preparing on uh, the mental side of the game. He spent a lot of time preparing um, just how to attack hitters, knowing their you know knowing their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, so in that that sense, anybody that kind of came in contact him, contact with him, knew and figured out quickly that okay, I understand why this guy's great because he really really works hard at it and in in terms of the rest of his impact i i think he just kind of symbolizes that great era in Philly's history in the sense of um he was a really big piece to come join the team late in their run and uh you know in two thousand ten two thousand and eleven they were they were like the the dominant team in major league baseball and they got it really stepped up and lived up to the hype you know how many times in Philly we've we seen free agents come in and Phillies or other, you know, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, or whatever, and kind of failed to live up to the hype. But but he not only lived up to it, he exceeded the hype and and you know, throwing a perfect game and a no hitter, postseason no hitter. I mean, he he was everything he was supposed to be and, and so much more.
1: Well, in fact, what I do is I liken him uh, to when the Red Sox acquired Pedro Martinez from Montreal. And suddenly, you know, you have hopes and Roy Halladay and Pedro Martinez did exactly what everyone hoped they would do when they were acquired. That's why I've always like compared the two of them that way.
2: Oh yeah, that's that's, that's very true. Very good very good comparison. Um you know, when they got Roy, you know, the, of course they had a tra- they traded Cliff Lee basically the same day uh, to kind of re- restock the farm system, but people were so excited to get him and he he really did kind of elevate the team in my opinion I mean he was he was a workhorse ace in an era now where pitchers really don't do that so much anymore. You know, I, right. And I know I'm going to screw up the stat, but I read something this morning. It was something like he had, say, 67 complete games in his career, and there are teams that don't have... You know, there's like five or six teams that, if you combine them all, don't have 67 complete games this decade. Or You know, it's it's, it's like there's some crazy stat like that that just shows how deep in the games he pitched. And... Um, to me that says a lot about him in an era where that doesn't happen anymore. You know, a guy that can that guy that can take the ball and every time he went out there you thought he was gonna go seven, eight, nine innings and just throw a ton of strikes, don't walk anybody and just and just win baseball games and, and he had a he had a tremendous presence um in that clubhouse, you know, and I, I remember that first spring training, I was telling this to somebody earlier today. I I remember You know, because I I started covering the Phillies in 2003, so in a sense I kind of came up with Jimmy Rollins, Chase Sutley, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, you know, we were kind of, they're not; we weren't peers, but you know what I mean. We we came up at the same time, so I didn't really look at them as like these guys larger than life. But when Roy Halliday joined the team in 2010, I was like that first spring training. I was like, "Holy cow! Roy Halladay is in the Phillies clubhouse. This is pretty unbelievable." Yeah. Uh, and, and that feeling never really went away. You know, you'd see him kind of walk through the clubhouse. He was always he always had a purpose with wherever he was going. He was always doing something. There was no sitting on, you know, fooling around on his phone you know, hours before the game. Like he was always doing something. Um you know, he's just he was just he was just a tremendous guy to be around and and just to see like again, like I said earlier, you really got to see what kind of made him great and, and, and why he was great.
1: Last time Penn State played in the Outback Bowl, they trained over at the Phillies complex. They went over who was the one Philly that was working out. Oh, and by the way, it took a lot of time out to talk to uh, the coaching staff and the players. Roy Halliday. They all were impressed by him all
2: of them yeah you know and there's so many stories like that you know he was working he was he was kind of working in a unofficial part-time role with the phillies um on the mental skills side of the game you know he had an office at the carpenter complex in clearwater he would show up i don't want to say every day during the work week but he would show up at least a few times a week stay there for about four or five hours and work with some of the team's young players on the mental skills side of the game and uh, he was going back to school to get certified uh he was planning on making this his career after his you know after his kids kind of got out of high school and kind of moved out of the house and and really that was his passion and uh you know so he has a lot of, there's a lot of people that you know he he made a point to talk to young people whenever he could and and try to you know make them better i remember a few years ago when he was still with the phillies uh the phillies had this pre spring training pitching camp with a lot of the young pitchers and and Roy showed up because he lived right down the road and he bought everybody a copy of uh, harvey Dorfman's uh the mental the mental ABCs of pitching you know like that's just the type of guy he was you know when he when he threw his perfect game in in May of two thousand and ten he bought sixty very very expensive very nice watches not only for his teammates but uh, training staff, PR staff, Bat Boys, Clubhouse staff, and they were all personally engraved. And, and, you know, that, again, that was just some of the stuff that Roy Halliday liked to do for people.
1: Uh, amazing. Uh, now, it wasn't as if he was a bad interview, he was a reluctant interview along the way. But when he did talk, people listened. Would that be a fair commentary on a guy I don't know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think he was kind of like a reluctant superstar. You know, he didn't. You know, if we're being honest, he didn't. He didn't enjoy particularly enjoy talking to the media. But that's okay. Chase Utley didn't enjoy talking to the media either. They just. They just really loved the competition. To them, it was all about the competition, and they would just right. they could just do without it. But but Roy. So like, from my experiences as Phillies beat writer, it was really really tough to get Roy. For an interview, on days that he was not pitching, because um, he was always working out, he just didn't have time. He'd kind of look at you like, "What do you need?" <laughs> you know, like he just he just had other things he would rather be doing. You know, he other he was trying to get better for that next start. But then after he pitched, um, he was very he was very good talking to reporters. He gave a lot of insight into his pitching. He gave a lot of insight into his. Thought process, attacking hitters. You know, if he struggled, if he was successful, he was a very interesting guy to talk to. So you're right in that regard. When when he talked, people did listen, and and he always, I I always thought that when he did talk, he could be very very engaging.
1: Todd, what did he mean to the younger pitchers on the staff?
2: I he meant a ton. You know, like Kyle Kendrick um, is a, is a, an example of that. Like he really kind of idolized Roy and. You know, tried to pick up, pick up uh, as much as he could from him. Like that first spring training in 2010, like Roy got there super early, so Kyle would try to get there super early. He would try to mimic Roy's workouts and, and found it was really hard to do. And a lot of a lot of young pitchers kind of felt the same way. But I, I think he he definitely led by example. And you know, it a, clearly you have to have a lot of talent to. Even approach anywhere near the ballpark of, of of success that that Roy Halladay had, but but at least he showed these young pitchers, if you want to be good, you really got to try to be good. You know, you can't you can't go halfway in terms of your effort. And so I, I think in that regard, he's gonna he left a lot of guys with a lot of very very positive impressions. And I'm sure even guys that didn't pan out in the big leagues. You know, say they go out and coach their kids' little league team or high school team. You know, down the road, they're going to be using a lot of. You know, they're going to be there's going to be there's going, going to be a lot of hey, I played with Roy Halladay, and this is what he did, so this is what you kids should do. Like his his message, his his um, his work ethic, you know, his his manner of doing things is going to be kind of passed down to the next generation. There's no doubt about it
1: then there's the end of his career then he was taking the ball at least in my opinion on days he probably shouldn't take it but because he is such a gamer and you know he knew they needed him to take the ball he did was you know, was that fair in terms of that assessment?
2: Yeah absolutely I, I think the way Roy looked at it is I'm being paid a ton of money to throw a baseball so I'm going to throw a baseball and I'm going to to you know Try to get back on the mound, and I'm trying to get try to get work through these injuries. And yeah, he I mean he he really felt the responsibility, you know. And, and without naming names, there are some pitchers out there that that uh, when they got hurt, they're like, "I got my guaranteed deal. I'm just going to pack up and go home and, and whatever." Roy was not like that. He he le- he legitimately felt guilty about the fact that he was hurt and did not perform. In fact, I I remember him you know saying as much uh... at the end of his career. He just he just felt really guilty about it and. Um, you know, he would text people and say, "I'm sorry, I apologize that you know things aren't going well right now, or I'm sorry I didn't pitch well today." And they're like, "Dude, <laughs> without you, we wouldn't have been so good in 2010, 2011." So I don't know what you're what you're apologizing for, but but, but he really he really it, it really meant a lot to him. I know, and then some people are going to say, "Well." Well, of course he should have tried hard. He was making twenty million dollars, but you know human beings are human beings, and like I said, there are a lot of human wow. beings making ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars that would have gotten hurt and said, Pfft, "Whatever, I'm okay with it." You know, uh, Roy ro- didn't look Todd, Todd, at it You that and
1: way. I both know. You and I both know there are guys what I call the twinge guys. Oh, I, I feel a twinge. I don't think I can go today. Yeah, uh, yeah. You'd rather have a guy that says, "Give me the ball, I'm going."
2: Right, and that's why, and that's another reason why people. Uh, really respected him so much, those young pitchers and just teammates, you know, uh, and why and why um, by all accounts, people that you know offered statements yesterday and people that didn't offer statements yesterday. I heard, I heard some, from some people their reactions and people were really broken up about this. I mean, this is no, you yeah. know, this is no joke of uh, just hey, let's just everybody kind of say what a great guy he was. I mean, he really was a great guy that really touched a lot of people in a, in, in a, in a tremendous way.
1: And in particular, his wife and his two sons.
2: Yeah, you know, I I I just feel so bad. I I feel so bad for all three of them. And um, he he really did. He really loved kind of uh, having the opportunity to kind of be a dad. You know, after after you know baseball took so much out of him that he missed so much time uh, because of his baseball career. He he really did look forward to. And he really did enjoy that, you know, being a dad and, and coaching his t- sons' his baseball teams and, <laughs> and, um, you know, spending time with them, going on vacations with them, you know, and, and I remember we talked to him in spring training about, you know, he was like, oh my gosh, my son's team, we won this state championship and da, da, da. I mean, he was, he, he kind of lit up talking about his kids, like, you know, Royal, what about your Hall of Fame chances? Well, you know, that'd be great if I could get in the Hall of Fame one day, but, but you know, and then, well, how are your kids doing? Oh, man, let me tell you about my kids. I mean, he really, he really loved it. And that to me is just the saddest part, um, of yeah. this is that these two kids aren't going to, you know, they were kind of, Gosh, they were just kind of getting they only had a few years really of 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 having a full-time dad and 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 now they, they now they you know they don't get that opportunity anymore.
1: Todd, an absolute pleasure during a tough time. Always appreciate the time, the insight, and so does the audience.
2: No problem. Anytime. Thanks a lot.
1: Todd Zalecki from MLB.com. Great to have him on the show. Uh, coming up in the next half hour, Jerry Krasnick of ESPN.com will get his thoughts as well on the untimely uh, passing of, of Roy Halliday, And we'll hear from Jerry Krasnick of ESPN.com in the next half hour. Greg Pickle, final half hour. And, uh, again, um, we'll also have a, a special segment, Musings from the Suit. That's in the after show.
0: Oh, cool. Yep. Working on that. Yeah.
1: Feel free not to stay for it.
0: Oh, cool! I can go home. Nice, thanks.
1: No, no, just I mean, really, feel free to like. <laughs> no, you <hey>, you start. <laughs> Brand, Brand, we'll, we'll, we'll call the after-show segment "Ramblings from the Suit." My primary job. Okay, everybody, leave. <laughs> All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When something tragic happens, uh, the hard part is, of course, you're trying to line up people to come on and talk about it. Because, look, I mean, let's face it, it's not the easiest topic to discuss uh, along the way when it's so sudden like that. And our thanks to Todd Zalecki, who jumped in right away and said, Yeah, I'll do that. And then Jerry Krasnick from ESPN.com says, Yeah, I'll come on and I'll do that. So, and then uh, we'll close out and go back to football with uh, Greg Pickle coming up. Uh, Uh, In the final half hour, we'll talk a little bit about recruiting and about uh, Penn State football with the Rutgers game, the homecoming game, coming up this week at Beaver Stadium. It's a noon kick, 10.30 airtime. We do not know the kick for the Nebraska game. Uh, We'll find out either late Saturday or early Sunday. Probably late Saturday. They put it on another one of those six-day window things, which... I haven't even looked at the schedule for that weekend, but I think if if I looked at the schedule that weekend, I could probably give you a pretty good guess uh, as to where the games all should end up. That's why I I never understand this. I never understand why you need a six-day window to to sit back and look and say, you know what, like take this week. I think Georgia-Auburn's a big game. What do you think? "Ah, That's a big game. Notre uh, Dame-Miami, yeah, that's a big game. Michigan State-Ohio, yeah, that's a big game. I mean, what does it take to do that? Evidently, it takes more than we realize. I can't stand the six-day thing. I can't.
0: I've I've and heard it, more and more people this year be really ticked off about that.
1: I mean, again, it has no effect on me at all. Zero.
0: Oh, you've said that for years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean zero. In other words, they tell me the air time. the The game kicks at noon. We're on at ten thirty. Kicks at three thirty. We're on at two. It's so yeah, like us
0: here. You know, just like you know, they tell us what time and we'll air it. You know, right,
1: simple, right, yeah. simple. It has nothing to do with me. Zero. Because I'm working, and so it's just telling me what time I'm going to show up for work.
0: By the way, since we're talking about airtimes and broadcasts, uh, we can share this. Uh, we will uh, for the rest of the way. And this includes basketball season as well. Anything with Learfield, you will be able to listen to it on our stream at WKOK.com or on our WKOK app. So if you're out and about not near the radio on Saturday for the game or for tomorrow night for the coaches show or all the basketball games Mm -hmm. now available on WKOK.com Just want to get that out there quick
1: Great. Yep. And see in my parts about the fans I mean these people are already paying good money to be there They're critical to the ambiance that you see on TV. They're critical to the atmosphere of any game. They're critical to the athletic department, everything. Now, the athletic department has zero to do with this. Well, I'm sorry, TV can't run it to the point where, you know, part of it has to be is that we're having an event, we're happy to have you there. It can't be I'm running the event. I'm talking about TV uh 12 days okay it's fine it gives everybody a lot uh, plenty of time to to sit there and put some plans together instead of i don't know i have to guess do i need a hotel room do i not need a hotel room what time are we going to leave what plans do we have and it's you know, the fan in the stands which means so much to me i mean really the fan the fan means so much to me always has because you look around when you're sitting in that seat every game, you look around and say, "These games, these games, going to be as exciting without these people here." You know, they're the atmosphere, they're the juice, they're the ambiance, uh, they're the passion in the place. You know, the players can be passionate all they want. That passion is 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 taken up exponentially when the crowd is there with them. And you know, and, and TV acts as if the fan base and stadiums is disposable yet they need fans in the stands as badly as anybody else they need the ambiance to come through the set, it makes it more exciting nah, it's a six day thing bothers me I just don't think there are a lot of really I mean, I'll bet any amount that there's no decision that is made Saturday night that would not have been the same if they announced it on Monday I'd be willing to, without ever being in the room, I'd be willing to wager that.
0: And that doesn't matter if Penn State lost the last two games or won the last right. two games. That wouldn't right. make a difference.
1: Right. To me, it would not make any difference at all if they announced it on Monday and gave the fan paying good money, good money to travel, good money to park, good money to eat, good money to, for tickets. Good money in donations. All right? Again, the school has zero to do with it. It's all television. And you can't you can't keep I mean, even the NFL, when the NFL flexes a game, they do it a month out. The college football I was hoping in the new TV contract that the Big Ten would have the guts to look at the TV networks and say, with us, no six day window. None. Treat our fans with respect. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that.